from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, this, I don't know if this is something you happen to know. It's clearly of more interest to me than to you, but uh, this program is no longer broadcast uh, what, on what, uh, what's it called? Radio in uh, Southern California. It's available, of course, via the Internet, but you know, it's the Internet. Anyway, so I can, I think, tell a tale on Southern California uh, with a clear conscience today. Um, I grew up there. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, but I, I passed the time that would be devoted to growing up there, let's put it that way. And it was built as a one-story city, you know, one st- little squat, one-story stucco buildings painted any of a variety of bright, light colors. Um, one assumed, I don't think I ever recall being told, that the colors were a response to the climate. It's very warm and sunny there in Southern California much of the year, except during rainy season. And um, so the the uh, buildings were painted in these colors, light and bright, that would reflect the sunlight, thereby keeping the interiors of the buildings a little less, little less warm, maybe a little cooler than they'd otherwise be. That has all changed since the place got hipper. The last few years, that is to say. Um, you can go around L.A. and its suburbs now, and on the uh, shopping streets that are hip, chic, whatever whatever um, adjective you choose to describe, you know, something that's more au courant. Uh, the, sa- the same buildings are there, if they haven't been uh, demolished for a high-rise, which is happening daily. Uh, reminds me of when uh, in the 90s you would visit, I would visit San Francisco and hear people say, well, it's, it's never going to get Manhattanized. Um, I invite you to go to San Francisco now. They got everything but the accents. Um, but back to Southern California, those buildings still exist, but they've been repainted in a wave I think it's fair to say, of hipness or hotness, almost literally, they're now painted Matt Black. You remember him. He was on NBC. Matt Black, just not even reflecting in the glare or glaze spectrum, just absorbing as much of the sun's heat as humanly possible all over town. So anytime somebody tells you that the uh, people of California are, you know, nuts about this climate stuff, just just point to the um, heat-absorbing buildings that just by their paint jobs require about 20% more air conditioning than they otherwise would. The truth about California Oh, I, I when, when I first went to New York, I, this just sprang into my mind. When I first went into New York City for a summer, uh, the National Enquirer was on the newsstands. 
They had newsstands. They had newspapers. And among the papers that you could buy there was the National Enquirer. And I remember the first headline I ever saw in the Enquirer. The truth about West Coast barbecues. They cook and eat dogs and cats. And that was a friend of Trump's. Hello, welcome to the show. On the first of May, it is moving day. Spring is here, so blow your job, throw your job away. Now's the time to trust to your wanderlust. In the city's dust you wait, must you wait, just you wait. In a mountain greenery where God paints a scenery, just two crazy people together. While you love your lover, let blue skies be your coverlet. When it rains, we'll laugh at the weather. And if you're good, I'll search for wood so you can cook. While I stand looking, beans could get no keener reception in the beanery. Bless our mountain greenery home. Simple cooking means more than French cuisines. I've a banquet planned, which is sandwiches and beans. Coffee's just as grand with a little sand. Eat and you'll grow fatter, boy. Smatter, boy. <laughs> Atta boy. In a mountain greenery where the scenery just two crazy people together ha 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 we love sequestering where no pests are pestering no dear mama holds us in tether mosquitoes here won't bite you dear i let them sting me on the finger could get no key to reception in the beatery. Bless our mountain greenery, far from life's machinery. Bless our mountain greenery home. Mountain greenery. From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, news of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. Tucker Carlson was taken off the air by Rupert Murdoch, who, uh, yes, he does run Fox News as well as Fox Everything Else. That was going to be an issue in the uh, trial that never happened, at least one of them. Um, He was taken off the air by Rupert Murdoch because of overly religious remarks he made during a recent speech. That's according to Vanity Fair. This is part of the uh, apparently near-endless search for the real reason as opposed to the obvious reason why Tucker Carlson was um, taken off Fox News. You know, just a weird, weird little thing. Carlson, 
was dropped less than a week after Fox News settled that lawsuit uh, with the uh, voting machine manufacturer. Carlson's show, which brought in more than 3 million viewers, according to the British newspaper The Telegraph, featured prominently in that uh, lawsuit by uh, the uh, ballot counting industry, specifically that one company. Uh, There's going to be another one coming up by Smartmatic, still another voting machine company. The uh, decision in that case to settle for a huge amount of money wiped more than $500 million from Fox Corporation's value, according to the stock market, within hours. Speculation was rife that the legal entanglements involving Carlson, Tucker Carlson, had brought about his demise. He's also named in a lawsuit from a former Fox producer. But according to this report from Vanity Fair, Carlson's remarks at a speech on Friday night is what rattled Murdoch. He was alarmed by the religious language and found it, quote, too extreme. Too extreme, according to Vanity Fair. Not just extreme enough. Carlson opened his remarks at the Heritage Foundation's 50th anniversary gala by encouraging everyone to, quote, include the country in your prayers, unquote. That's too religious for Rupert Murdoch. Mm. His assessment of the state of the U.S. was laced with religious language, framing America's partisan battles as a division between good and evil. Describing the debate over abortion and transgender rights, he told the audience, quote, what you're watching is not a political movement, it's evil. I'm not calling for religious war, he continued. Far from it. I'm merely calling for an acknowledgement of what we're watching. He said engaging in debate no longer works. I've tried. That doesn't work, he said. He went on to suggest that he had concluded that praying for the future could be more powerful saying, maybe we shall all take just ten minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious. Why not? Unquote. Tucker Carlson. According to one source close to Murdoch, the language drove his decision to remove Carlson. Quote, quoting that source close to Murdoch, speaking to Vanity Fair, quote, that stuff freaks Rupert out. He doesn't like all the spiritual talk. Now, um, the reporter was by the same journalist who claimed earlier this month that uh, Murnock called off his forthcoming um, engagement to Ann Leslie Smith. You heard about that, right? Because he'd become, quote, increasingly uncomfortable, unquote, with his fiancée's outspoken evangelical views. According to Vanity Fair, Murdoch had witnessed Carlson and Smith, the Murdoch fiancé, discussing religion. Source told Vanity Fair that Carlson, reportedly a favorite of Smith, had dinner with a couple at Murdoch's Bel Air Vineyard in late March, the only vineyard in Los Angeles County, ladies and gentlemen. During the meal, Smith reportedly produced a Bible and read passages from the book of Exodus, like you do at a dinner. 
she produced the Bible. I don't know if she directed it. Murdoch simply sat there and stared, the source said. Days later, he called off the engagement to Miss Smith. Vanity Fair noted by taking Carlson off the air, Murdoch had also cut his former fiancé's favorite show from the network. In his address at the conservative think tank Heritage, Carlson also said he got almost every single call wrong during last year's midterm elections. He said he later took Tom off, quote, to think about why I was so unbelievably wrong. I typically don't weigh in on races because, you know, what do I know? I don't actually com- cover politics. I'm not that interested, unquote. Tucker Carlson. And, also from Nice Corp, or about Nice Corp, Prince William of the uh, royal family that's going to have a coronation next week uh, settled a phone hacking claim with... Uh, Rupert Murdoch's then group of newspapers called NGN, News Group Newspapers, for a very large sum three years ago. That's according to lawyers for William's brother, Prince Harry. All the brothers are talking about each other. According to Reuters, Harry's legal team said a deal had been agreed between NGN, not MGM, NGN, and Buckingham Palace, on behalf of Prince William to hold off any claims until other outstanding phone-hacking litigation was settled. The claimant has had to make public the details of this secret agreement, as well as the fact that his brother, Prince William, has recently settled his claim against NGN behind the scenes. That's Reuters' view of uh, the document. NGN settled with Prince William, the heir to the throne, for for a very large sum of money in 2020, Reuters reported, Prince William's office said it couldn't comment. His father is busy being crowned. The uh, documents have been unearthed as the L.A.-based Prince Harry is suing the very same NGN at the London High Court over multiple unlawful acts allegedly committed on behalf of the Sun newspaper and its now-defunct News of the World tabloid from the mid-1990s until 2016. He accuses those tabloids, of phone, owned by Rupert Murdoch, of phone hacking and containing and obtaining private information about him by deception, including getting a hold of Meghan Markle's social security number. Ouch! News of the world was closed down following the phone hacking scandal. Saw millions paid out in damages. And Harry, along with celebrities including Elton John, Sir Elton John, and Elizabeth Hurley, not Sir Elizabeth Hurley, is suing the publisher of The Sun's rival, The Daily Mail, for breaches of privacy, including the hiring of private investigators to secretly place listening devices inside their cars and homes. Can you hear me, Elton? Oh, listening to him, I see. Nice corporation. Nice people. They are doing nice things. And now, news of the warm, won't you?
soft listening to the warmth. We can listen to the warmth. Scientists have obtained their best satellite assessment yet of the status of the world's glaciers. Europe's Cryosat tracked a 200,000 or so glaciers on Earth, according to the BBC, found they've lost 2.72 billion tons of ice in 10 years due to climate change and buildings being painted black. No, that's equivalent to losing 2% of their bulk in a decade. It's not the world's best diet. Monitoring how quickly glaciers are changing is important because millions of people rely on them for drinking water and farming. They don't actually farm on the... The world's glaciers are distributed across all latitudes, not just at the poles. A few hundred are routinely measured at ground level, the best way to assess them. But for the vast majority, observation of space is the only way to keep an eye on how they're responding to climate change which is important, like the broader ice sheets, their whiteness reflects sunlight and helps cool the planet. And in many parts of the world, glaciers also function as critical water reservoirs. More than 20% of the world's population is thought to be dependent in some way on summer meltwaters that flow from great glaciers for uh, drinking. Sounds like this. For agriculture and to drive hydropower stations. I don't have the sound of that. Cryosat is a veteran European Space Agency Earth observer. It carries an instrument called a radar altimeter, which sends down microwave pulses to trace variations in height along the planet's surface, in particular the changes in elevation of ice fields. This type of instrument works really well when monitoring the gentle undulations in the interiors of Antarctica and Greenland. More tricky to measure the ice than runs across rugged terrain. But advances in data processing have enabled scientists to effectively increase the resolution and robustness of uh, Cryosat's vision so it can now track developments even in those hard-to-see locations. The study was reported this week in the journal Geophysical Research Letters. Um applied this new approach to the spacecraft's entire data archive to produce a global glacier assessment. The vast majority of all the ice loss seen between 2010 and 2020 was due to melting in an ever-warming atmosphere. Only 11% of the loss was the result of glaciers melting or increasing flow because their fronts terminate in warmer ocean or lake waters. Alaska's glaciers, the biggest losers, more than 80 billion tons a year. Very much in effect, reports the BBC, of warmer air temperatures, places where glaciers appear to be eroding and moving faster because the uh, their fronts end in warmer waters, include the Arctic, and in the Russian sector of the Barents and Kara Seas. This is a consequence of what's called the Atlantification of the Arctic, explained a researcher from Edinburgh University in the UK. Usually the surface waters of the Arctic Ocean are cold and fresh, he says, but increasingly in some of these places the surface waters are becoming more salty and warmer, who isn't, 
as currents move up from the Atlantic. And this means glaciers are dumping more ice into the ocean, unquote. This means this will add to sea level rise, which already threatens your low-lying communities. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. It's such copyrighted feature, this broadcast. Um, we're still, I know, it seems like spring, but we're, uh, we're still in the middle of crypto winter. The first and only Belgian cryptocurrency lending platform, Bit4U, said it was suspending its activities after CoinLoan, one of its main service providers, was declared insolvent by an Estonian court. It's, it's lovely when this stuff gets so international, isn't it? We all share in crypto winter. CoinLoan is a crypto lending company based in uh, Estonia. It also no longer has the required registration as a custodian of virtual currencies bit for you, said in a statement on its website. Quote, to date, we have no indication that the virtual currencies held on behalf of our customers with coin loan cannot be recovered. We have no indication that they cannot be recovered. That's reassuring. If you're holding some of those virtual currencies, um, coin loan holds around 85% of Ripple XRP coin. Ripple coin. If only you could drink it. About 81% of top cryptocurrency Bitcoin and 62, sorry, 67.32% of Ethereum. That's, um, those are the proportions of the customers of this lending currency, cryptocurrency platform, which is suspending its activities. A court in Estonia unexpectedly ordered CoinLoan to halt all operations, including withdrawals, this week. The company had limited user withdrawals last year to $5,000 per 24-hour period. Why? To stave off a run on its funds. Yes. Semi-banks can have runs, too. So say goodbye to Bit4U, Belgium's only cryptocurrency platform. Because, ladies and gentlemen, while it seems like spring, it's crypto winter. Great nations of Europe had gathered on the shore. They conquered what was behind them, but now they wanted more. So they looked to the mighty ocean, they took to the western sea. Great nations of Europe in the 16th century Hide your wives and daughters, hide the groceries too Great nations of Europe coming through Watches by the score, but bullets disease the Portuguese. 
From New Orleans, this is the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Looks like Tesla's lawyers say that Elon Musk's past statements about the safety of its self-driving feature can't be trusted because they could be deepfakes. That's according to court findings seen by Business Insider. The electric car company is being sued by uh, a gentleman named Wang. No, sorry, a lady named Wang, whose husband, Walter, died in a car crash in 2018. The uh, lawsuit, which was first submitted to the Santa Clara County Superior Court way back in 2019, alleges that Tesla's autopilot feature was defective and accelerated Wang's car into a concrete barrier after misreading, misreading, I said, highway lane markers. Wang's lawyers want to interview Musk about statements he made promoting the capabilities of the self-driving hardware, which would be, you know, useful to him in uh, prosecuting the case. That includes a speech from a 2016 conference when Musk said, quote, a Model S and Model X at this point 
can drive autonomously with greater safety than a person right now, unquote. Tesla's lawyers say they don't know whether or not Musk actually said any of those things. Quote, at first glance, it might seem unusual that Tesla could not admit to deny the authenticity, authenticity of video and audio recordings purportedly containing statements by Mr. Musk, they wrote in a court filing. The reality, it continues, like many public figures, he is the subject of many deep fake videos and audio recordings that purport to show him saying and doing things he actually never said or did. This uh, past week, Judge Yvette Pennypacker, I just read him, said these arguments were, quote, deeply troubling and tentatively ordered Musk to be interviewed under oath for three hours about whether he made the statements. That's according to Reuters. Their position, said the judge, is that because Mr. Musk is famous and might be more of a target for deepfakes, his public statements are immune. In other words, Mr. Musk and others in this position can simply say whatever they like in the public domain, then hide behind the potential for their recorded statements being a deepfake to avoid taking ownership of what they did actually say and do, according to Judge Pennypacker. Speaking of judges, Tesla broke, speaking of judges and Musk, Tesla broke U.S. labor laws yet again, according to a watchdog. This time, not by suppressing labor organizing, but by prohibiting workplace discussion of wages and complaints and blocking employees from appealing to higher-level managers. As a result of a National Labor Relations Board judge's ruling this week, Tesla will have to cease and desist from violating labor laws and will be required to post notices in uh, appropriate areas of Tesla's Orlando workplace and mail them to all current and for former employees. These notices will state, it's okay to talk about pay at work. There appears to be no other punishment. Tesla does have to promise to not break the law in the future. The saga started around the end of 2021, according to the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, when several employees at the Florida Tesla Collision Center fixing the electric car's fender benders, became concerned that new staff were being hired at a higher rate of pay than uh, the existing workers at the body shop. Despite Tesla's own, quote, open floor policy, which the NLRB noted gives employees the right to freely discuss their wages, benefits, and terms and conditions of employment and to raise complaints internally or externally, a manager at the shop responded to employee pay rate concerns by telling employees in an all-hands meeting not to discuss such matters. Same supervisor also told employees in the meeting not to complain about pay or any other issues to anyone higher than the regional manager. One employee decided that was unsatisfactory, elevated the issue to the VP of Sales, Service, and Delivery, they have service at Tesla? Huh. He was suspended, the employee was. Other team members at the shop were told in another all-hands meeting that they weren't allowed to talk about the suspension. The suspended employee was later fired. The NLRB response to the complaint 
filed by the terminated employee was that Tesla had pretty much done everything it was possible to do wrong in the situation, including posting a deficient notice to employees when it was first informed of the NLRB probe. This isn't the first time Tesla has been found guilty of uh, firing, of, of violating National Labor Relations Act. Earlier prior complaints have mostly centered on unionization efforts. What an innovator. I think uh, it was the Henry Ford playbook of uh, 1932. And America's Federal Aviation Administration has grounded SpaceX's Starship in order to conduct a safety investigation. You may recall the heavy lift launch vehicle rocket destroyed a chunk, a chunk of the launch pad and exploded during a test last week. But it did not poop on the area. You do know that um, Tesla now, its default reply to any inquiries from the press is a poop emoji. So I wasn't bringing the subject up. Out of the blue, SpaceX was unable to get Starship, said to be the world's most powerful rocket, into orbit during that launch, according to the register. The rocket started rotating midair when it failed to break free of its booster shortly after takeoff, began falling uncontrollably back to Earth, was detonated over Boca Chica, Texas, within minutes of launch. Before it even got to that point, Starship had damaged the pad and nearby Space Center infrastructure during blastoff and scattered ash and dust over both wildlife areas and a nearby town. A video recording of the flight showed chunks of concrete being kicked up by the launch and smashing the windows of a car and creating a cloud of ash and dirt. The mess descended onto Port Isabel, where residents reported feeling the ground shake. All future test flights of the Starship rocket are on pause for now as officials probe the fallout, the impact of the latest explosion, and any additional damage to the launch pad. It's not clear when SpaceX will be allowed to resume launches. Elon Musk, CEO of SpaceX, said the company started building a water-cooled steel plate to go underneath the vehicle's launch mount, which would have protected or reinforced the pad from the powerful machine above it. But it wasn't ready in time. Gotta launch. Gotta launch. SpaceX would be ready, says Musk, to launch Starship again in one or two months based on the FAA determining that any system, process, or procedure related to the mishap does not affect public safety, unquote, the FC, FAA spokesperson. SpaceX doesn't have a great track record for Starship flights. Most of its rockets have exploded. The only one that has uh, managed to successfully fly and land safety in one piece. It was uh, built to send heavier payloads into space, including a crew of astronauts for NASA's Artemis mission to the moon, maybe scheduled for 2027. And SpaceX scrubbed its latest Falcon 9 flight, tasked with carrying its latest batch of Starlink satellites into low Earth orbit, due to landing concerns with the rocket. 
Somebody's paying attention to Twitter. News of Musk love, ladies and gentlemen. It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And uh, now, news of the godly. Seven years after it last undertook a major restructuring, the uh, Catholic Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania, who knew, is uh, launching another plan to reshape its parishes. Have you uh, reshaped your parishes lately, ladies and gentlemen? Apparently it's always a good idea. The project is in its early stages as Bishop Lawrence T. Persico, not Serpico, not PepsiCo, but Persico, said in a letter to the faithful earlier this month on the process known as pastoral planning. My goal in beginning another more formal round of pastoral planning for parishes is to create communities that are vibrant and dynamic and in a position to extend a sense of welcome and belonging to all, said Persico. He's led the 13-county diocese since October of 2012, says the latest restructuring is necessary to address the same issues that uh, the region's Catholics have been dealing with. Declining population in general in northwestern Pennsylvania, declining attendance at mass, and a persistent priest shortage. The numbers have continued to drop, forcing the diocese to act, Persico said. A Catholic radio station in Poland has launched a campaign challenging women to, quote, abandon men's clothes, like your trousers, and to instead wear more, quote, beautiful feminine and dignified dresses and skirts during the month of May in honor of the Virgin Mary. She hated pants. Take the challenge, 31 days without trousers, reads the appeal by a radio station run by Franciscan monks. Dear ladies... May is an extraordinary month in which we can honor the Mother of God, including through our clothing. We encourage you to take up the challenge and wear only dresses and skirts for the Immaculate Mary, unquote. The uh, campaign is being run by the radio station in collaboration with Only for Women, a Catholic women's organization, and Marian Skirts and Dresses, an online community. The challenge begins on May 1st. The organizers advise women to check their wardrobe before they make sure, before then, to make sure they have prepared the clothes they plan to wear. Let's also prepare appropriate shoes, tights, and blouses so that no small thing will prevent us from putting on a skirt, they write. The campaign has been met with a mixed reaction on social media, some welcoming the idea, others criticizing it. Do you really reduce feminine piety to dresses? Do you think God cares about clothes, wrote one commentator. The church is shooting itself in the foot with such actions. Fewer and fewer people go to church. Young people are withdrawing from religion classes in schools. More and more people commit apostasy. And all this is not without reason, said another commentator. Said uh, a male commentator, as far as I know, St. Joseph and Jesus didn't wear jeans either. So why don't we men all put on? Ankle, 
ankle-length robes. And Quebec's Court of Appeals has approved a $28 million Canadian settlement on a class action lawsuit filed against the clerics of St. Viator of Canada by sexual assault victims. The deal was reached January a year ago. Last uh, July, Superior Court Justice in Quebec said the uh, $8 million Canadian in legal fees was excessive. He said that despite the fact that the lawyers for the 375 sexual assault victims did remarkable work, he wanted a new agreement with more reasonable fees. News of the Godly, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Been in every honky tonk, trying to find my daddy with that broke down piece of junk. Ask everyone to help me, cried, Help me if you can. You'll know my daddy, he's that trombone playing that. Oh, where's my daddy? a man that played a steel guitar he said that you don't need him to be moved to the bar he brought his amplifier and he hitched it in my plug he planked it and he plunked it but it wasn't good enough My door, I said, mm, my daddy's back. I opened up the door and there stood Piano Jack. He said, I came to do some tinkling on your piano keys. I said, don't make me nervous. This ain't no time to tease. Just send me my daddy. he played I asked him how it was done he said I blow through here then I work my fingers and my thumb I slide it right off then I slide it back again I got a lot of wind and then I slide it back again And uh, if you want to see more of that and you're in the New Orleans area next weekend, 
Judith Owen will be at Jazz Fest next Saturday afternoon. Now, clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. News from our friend the Adam. U.S. nuclear regulator, the U.S. nuclear regulator, said this week it has launched an inspection to examine ground settling at various places around the Davis-Bessey nuclear power plant in Ohio. The commission said in a release it determined that a special inspection is necessary after learning that a failure in October two years ago, no, last year, of a pipeline meant to supply water for firefighting The uh, failure in the pipeline was likely caused by stress from ground settling at the plant in northern Ohio near Lake Erie. Well, settling near near Lake Erie sounds appearing, appearing, sounds appealing. Last month, the NRC also learned of additional fire protection, pipeline failures, and multiple occurrences of ground settling at the site. The operator of the reactor didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. The construction of the plant began in 1970. A five-person special inspection team will establish a timeline related to ground settling zones and assess the actions to evaluate, monitor, or mitigate the phenomenon and its potential impact on equipment key to plant safety. The inspector said the plant was safe, and that the owner had promptly restored fire protection after the piping failures. The NRC fined Davis-Bessey more than $5 million, the largest in the regulator's history for violations after workers in 2002 discovered a football-sized void caused by corrosion in the reactor vessel head. The agency will document their findings of the ground settling inspection. As soon as inspection is over, vessel head. Now we're into that one before. The operator of the troubled Fuku plant in Japan says the melted fuel debris likely created holes in the pressure vessel of one of its reactors. TEPCO reported their findings to a meeting of the Nuclear Regulation Authority. TEPCO officials said a video taken by an underwater robot shows that a device installed in the reactor pressure vessel's bottom is missing, and there's a dark space where the bottom should be. The officials said cooling water is cascading down towards the spot just under the bottom. They added the devices that remain inside the reactor appear to be covered with fuel debris. These findings led them, the officials say, to conclude that heat from fuel debris created the holes after cooling failed after the thing. TEPCO says it will analyze the footage further. Always more analysis is a good idea. Following comments from more than 200 people around the U.S., the Department of Energy says they're changing the process of selecting waste 
disposal sites. That would be nuclear waste disposal sites. The department will consider input from communities as they work to select a site to store the nation's nuclear waste, as opposed, I guess, to the previous policy of kind of ignoring the communities. I don't know. There's no site in Yucca Valley yet or ever. And now, the Apology of the Week. We're so sorry. The Minneapolis Star Tribune's publisher apologized this week after Muslim lawmakers described a cartoon as, quote, blatantly racist. First panel of last Sunday's cartoon shows a man telling a woman that, quote, broadcasting the Muslim call to prayer at all hours will make Minneapolis too noisy, unquote. The next image shows masked gunmen firing outside of the home they're in. Lawmakers held a press conference this week to address the recent attacks on mosques. It was there that Muslim legislators condemned the cartoon. We're not laughing, said State Representative Hodan Hassan. This community is not laughing. Especially when the Star Tribune is putting out a cartoon that incites this, that gets people riled up. Star Tribune CEO and publisher Steve Grove said in a statement that the cartoon drawn by a recently hired cartoonist, was intended to support the recent decision by the city council to allow expanded use of the Muslim call to prayer. But it was perceived by many to have missed the mark. I agree that the cartoon didn't achieve its goal, but instead brought pain to readers and communities who felt targeted and mischaracterized. I'm sorry that the Star Tribune published it, unquote. He's in his second week on the job as publisher. Deadline Louisville, Kentucky, the old National Bank gunman's parents profusely apologized to the Louisville community for their son's actions earlier this month. The emotional interview on Today with Lisa and Todd Sturgeon revealed more about their son's state of mind. Leading up to the shooting, his parents said, still there's no provocation, no justification, no rationalization at all for what he did. The mother said... Her son called her earlier in the month saying he'd had a panic attack. That was the same day he legally purchased an AR-15. We are so sorry. We are heartbroken, said his mother. We wish we could undo it, but we know we can't. He did this to totally innocent individuals. There is no provocation, no justification, no rationalization at all. Deadline Brasilia, the Brazilian government apologized on Thursday for mistreating Afro-Brazilian families that were forcibly moved from their coastal home in northern Brazil four decades ago to make way for the construction of a spaceport. This is Brazil. The Alcantara base, run by the Brazilian Air Force, is the rocket-launching site of Brazil's space program, where the company, uh, country hopes to draw private companies putting small satellites into orbit. But in 1980, some 300 families, or members of communities started by runaway slaves, were relocated 
by the Air Force, and their land was expropriated. They were never given title to the land where they were later taken. Quote, the Brazilian state publicly declares its apology to the communities that remain in Alcantara, the government said in a statement, announcing that funds would be made available in reparation for the mistreatment. The apology came as a complaint by the communities reached the Inter-American Human Rights Court, which held a public hearing in Chile on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. A spat between two olive oil startups has gone viral on social media after one founder took to Lincoln to accuse the other of, copyright, of copying his squeeze bottle design. Andrew Benin, founder of olive oil startup Grazza, wrote in a Lincoln post that rival oil and vinegar brand Brightland copied his design after the company announced its own squeeze bottle olive oil product to be drizzled on pizzas. In the post, Benin calls out Brightland CEO on claims her company participated in copycat culture. The post, which was edited to include a subsequent apology later that same day, stirred up debate on LinkedIn and beyond overuse of the squeeze bottle. And uh, Shell, the oil company, in Potter's Township, Pennsylvania, hosted a virtual community meeting this week amid growing frustrations at, uh, over operations at the Shell Cracker Plant in Potter Township, Pennsylvania. We recognize transparency is important when it comes to building trust, said Shell Polymer's general manager. So that's why we report all our malfunctions to the regulatory agencies and we communicate to the public as quickly as we can. Earlier in the day, people who live near the plant said they were eager to get some answers after a number of reported flares and violations in the last few months. Dr. Clifford Lau, with a watch, watchdog group called Eyes on Shell, Concerned about high levels of benzenes in the area. Colorless, highly flammable chemical can be dangerous and even cause cancer. Shell is required to operate passive air monitors. Must investigate anything with concentrations of 9 micrograms per cubic meter of pollutants. Data from Shell ending a two-week span last week found levels as high as 110 micrograms per cubic meter. The um, Shell spokesman apologized for the odor during city council meeting this week. And Dateline Monroe, Louisiana, State Senator Stuart Cathy of Monroe is apologizing after he swore at fellow lawmaker Senator Regina Barrow of Baton Rouge. I'm competitive, and let my competitive juices get the best of me, Kathy told a local TV station. I really don't know what happened to him, but certainly that behavior was unbecoming 
for a senator, Barrow explained, kind of got really in my face and put his finger in my face and told me that they effing lied to me. His tone, his body language, was very threatening, unquote, said the recipient of the comments from the guy whose competitive juices got the best of him. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. That's it for this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time over these same radio stations or on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it'd be just like Donald Trump showing up for his own trial. If you agreed with join me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. The tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead. And to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this show, the uh, playlist of the music here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Maybe. All and so much more at harryshare.com. And uh, I'm ignoring the winds of fortune. I'm still on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. Happy Jazz Fest from the Crescent City. <laughs>